We thank you. We love you. We praise you in your son's name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Be seated. I know the Lord is, is so pleased uh, when he hears us sing like that. And, and I do pray as you come into this place on any given Sunday that, that you just kind of lay back and rear back and give God your very best. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, right? Um, even if you say, Pastor, I can't sing a lick, it doesn't matter. God's pleased when we do sing to him. If you're our guest again, thank you so much for being here. If you've been away for a while, um, you've arrived just in time because this morning we begin a brand new sermon series that I'm titling Refresh. And I get the um, idea for this sermon um, from an, experiment, uh, an incident that I had at my desk. You probably had it as well. I was working away on my computer when it locked up. How many of you have ever had your computer lock up on you? And if it's not your computer, maybe it's your cell phone, it really matters not. As long as we're dealing with technology, those things are going to happen. And so that day I was working along, my computer locks up, and then I did what we're taught to do. I hit the refresh button, right? And when I did that, the page reloaded and I could keep working. And as I thought about that incident, I began to think about the spiritual lesson for our lives. You see, that's what happens to all of us. Many times we just get too much information. We get too many things going. We take our eyes off of the Lord. We get clogged up. And sometimes we just need to reposition our priorities, right, to put our trust back in God. And he refreshes us so we can live in abundance again. And so the the title of the sermon series is Refresh. And it's all going to be built on Matthew chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and take them out with me this morning. We'll get to them in just a minute. And go ahead and turn to Matthew 5. And as you're beginning to turn there, let's talk a little bit about what we're going to find. Those of you that know your Bible well already know that this is the beginning of what's called the Sermon on the Mount. Um, Matthew, our gospel writer, um, puts together a lot of the teachings of Jesus, and he puts them all in this one spot here in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, and we have this incredible teaching of Jesus. Now, most of us realize this was not some gargantuan sermon that Christ preached, and the people just endured it there on the hillside. It's a compilation of the teachings of Christ, and here in the beginning is a section called the Beatitudes. I love the Beatitudes. Many of us run to these at different times in our life. Um, I love them so much because the word Beatitude comes from the Latin word Beatus, which means blessed. And I like the Beatitudes because they are attitudes that ought to be. That's an easy way for you to think about that. And they always remind me of, of this story. And I want to start with this today. It's about a dad. He's, he's laying down on a Sunday afternoon trying to get his Sunday afternoon nap. How many of you love a good Sunday afternoon nap? Amen, right? Somebody say amen. And, um, and I hope to do that this afternoon myself, but this man was laying down to get a nap, and his young boy was right there bugging him with these words, Daddy, I'm bored, right? And so the dad, in the midst of trying to get his nap, he gets up, he, he finds a picture of a world map that's there on the newspaper that arrived that morning, And he rips up that world map photo into 50 little pieces. He said, son, we're going to make up this fun game, right? This is a jigsaw puzzle, and I want you to put this together all by yourself, right? And then he lays down assuming he's going to have about two hours to get it done. Yeah, right. And so about 10 minutes later, the boy shows back up, and much to the dad's surprise, he says, dad, I finished it. I put it all back together, and the dad in the groggy voice says, you're kidding me, right? 
He knew his son didn't know the names of the countries. He knew his son didn't recognize a world map. No way to put all those nations back together. And yet here was the map fully reassembled in front of him. And he says, son, how did you do that? And the son smiled and says, it was easy, dad. There was a picture of a person on the other side of the page with the map. And I just put the picture of the person together, and then I turned it over for you to see. He said, when I got my person put together, the world looked just fine. Now, I tell you that story because it's amazing how much better the world looks when a person is what? Put back together. And so that's what this series is going to be about. It's going to be about God putting you back together. It's going to be about God putting me back together, right? About tapping into God's power to restore our lives, to refresh our lives that have crashed or been broken. And I want to clarify right off the top this. This series is not just for people who have hurts and hang-ups and habits with a clinical title, right? With a clinical label. No, it's for all of us. Because all of us have been hurt, right? All of us have probably hurt somebody else. This series is for anyone who is looking for personal refreshment or anyone looking for spiritual refreshment. So with all of that said is our introduction today. Now take your Bibles and stand with me as we honor the reading of God's Word today. Matthew chapter 5, verses 1, 2, and 3. Let's read it together this morning from the New International Version. And here's how it reads. Now when Jesus saw the crowds... He went up on a mountainside, right? The Sermon on the Mount, and he sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, and here's our first beatitude in verse number 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let's say it all together, verse number 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Folks, my my prayer today is as we study this one beatitude, that God will begin the process of refreshing our soul so that we can live for Him brand brand new. Be seated right where you are. I want to start off by asking some questions. Do you need spiritual refreshing? Are you the person that's arrived here today and you're listening to the beginning of this sermon series and you're thinking, wow, that's me. Do you need personal refreshing? Are you crashing in your life? Are you struggling with overworking? Are you struggling with overeating? Are you struggling with alcohol? Maybe it's drugs for you. Are you struggling with overspending? Are you struggling with grief? Maybe it's guilt for you. Is it anger? Maybe rage? Are you struggling with fear, anxiety, divorce, rejection, loneliness, abuse? Whatever it is today, I want you to hear the first principle. And I want you to look up here with me because we're going to list these simply from the top of the baptistry right here on the stained glass. And we're going to come down every week with the seven principles of refreshing. Here it is. If that's you, you can read it with me realize I'm not God. You see, I believe and am convinced that that's exactly what Jesus was saying when he said, blessed are the poor in spirit. He wasn't talking about being financially poor, right? No, he was talking about our moral situation. The first step on the road to refreshment is to admit that you're morally bankrupt. 
I mean, you go to the moral bank and you go to your account and you recognize it's setting on zero. You have nothing to offer. You have to realize that you're not God. And when you think about that first step, you have to consider three truths. Here's the first one. First, let's talk about the reason that we struggle. How many of you would say, Pastor, I do struggle? I struggle in life in a lot of different ways. And I want to tell you your primary struggle is related to this. The reason that we struggle is because of our sinful nature. And that's what the Bible teaches. The Bible says that we are sinners by nature. That we're sinners by choice. That means we were born with the moral DNA predisposing us to sin. As soon as we got old enough, what did we do? We made our own choices and they probably were wrong even in God's eyes. Uh, and, and, and that's true of all of us, right? Have you ever noticed that we all do things that we should do? We do things that we know are not good for us. If you doubt that, let me give you some examples right quick. Have you ever stayed up late when you knew you ought to get some sleep, right? We do that. Have you ever ate or drank more calories than your body needs? Uh-oh. Uh, do you ever feel like you need to exercise, but, but you just don't, right? Do you ever, this is a tough one, do you ever look at sexually explicit images on your computer and you know you shouldn't, but you look at them anyway? Do you ever take prescription drugs the way you shouldn't? Do you ever take illegal drugs, but you take them anyway, right? Have you ever known that you shouldn't be selfish? but you just choose to be selfish anyway. You see, if you answer yes to any of those questions, and we do, welcome to the human race. That's who we are. Uh, we're sinners. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And sometimes in that sin, what happens? We become self-destructive. It reminded me of a funny picture that I saw. It was a penguin and a sleeping polar bear. Get that image in your head, okay? A penguin and a sleeping polar bear. The penguin is standing over the snoozing bear with a pair of cymbals about to wake the polar bear up. I mean, there's going to be a crash ride, and it's not going to be pretty when it happens. And that's how it is in our lives. There are things that we know we shouldn't do that we're going to do anyway, and it's going to be a crash and pardon my grammar here, and it ain't going to be pretty, okay? So let's admit it. We have a sin nature. Do you agree with that? Say amen. Pastor, I have a sin nature, okay? Now, you're going to have that sin nature until you get to heaven. You and I are going to have that sin nature until we get to heaven. Sin, that sin nature motivates us to want to be God. And that's the essence of the issue at its ugly core. My fallen nature, right, makes me think I'm at the center of my universe. It makes me think everything and everyone revolves around me. That's our problem. And that desire to be God expresses this way. And when I say this, you're probably going to think, uh-oh, I've actually said those things in my mind or maybe out loud. Here's what we say. I don't want anybody telling me what to do. I don't want anybody telling me right and wrong. I want to call my own shots. I want to make my own decisions. I want to make my own rules. You see, that's what it looks like, and it's called plaguing God. We want to say, no, it's my life, and I'll be in control. Have you ever tried to play God? How do we do that? 
Here, here's some examples. We deny our humanity and we try to control everything for selfish reasons. Or we try to control our image. That's another way. We don't really want people to know the real us, so we, so we wear masks. We deceive people. We try to make them think that we're better than we really are, right? Uh, another way, we deny our human failings. We say, oh, I'm not afraid. I'll be just fine, right? But we also try to control other people. Think about this. Parents try to control their kids. Kids try to control their parents. Spouses try to control one another. So that's an issue for us. Uh, We try to control our own problems. We say things like this. I can handle this on my own. I don't need help. I don't need counseling. I'm okay. I really am. I can quit anytime I want to. I'll work on it on my own. Folks, if we, if we say things like that, that's examples of us trying to play God. You see, the reason that we struggle is we have a sin nature. Do you agree? The reason we struggle. Let's move on to the second idea. The result of our denial. So there's a reason that we struggle, and now the ugly truth, there's some things that come to us. You see, as long as we deny that we have this sinful nature... We really can't ever be poor in spirit. And most of us are in denial, and that's not a river in Egypt, right? We're in denial. When it comes to sin, here's what we say. Oh, I'm okay. And God says, no, you're not okay. We say, I'm fine. God says, you're fallen. We say, I'm weak. God says, you're wicked. We say, I'm correct. God says, you're corrupt. And you see, here's the deal. God knows, doesn't he? Think about that. That's scary to me. God knows everything you think, say, or do. And you can't hide anything from him. You see, God knows. He knows who we are and the sinful things that we do. So the sooner we admit it, right, the sooner we confess that to God, the sooner we can get on the road to refreshment. And when we deny our humanity, we suffer four negative dynamics. This is the result of our denial. Number one, we face fear. Let me give you an example of this. In the book of Genesis, Adam and Eve, they sinned against God, right? And when Adam sinned against God, he experienced fear for the first time in his life. Genesis 3.10 says this, I heard you in the garden, he was talking to God, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I went and hid. When we try to play God and control everything, fear comes. That's one of the results. The second thing that happens to us is frustration. Do you feel frustrated in life? Let me, let me tell you perhaps why. Because it's frustrating to try to be the general manager of your universe. That's too much for you. It's frustrating to try to keep all the balls spinning at the same time, right? Here's the good news. You're not God. He keeps millions of planets in orbit at the same time. Don't you think he can manage your life? Don't you think he can manage your problems? Uh, When you're in denial, you face fear. When you're in denial, you face frustration. When you try to be God, you also face fatigue. Write that down for yourself. Has anybody discovered this true? Playing God will wear you out. If you try to control your own life, it will wear you out. When you play God, it reminds me of the statue in New York City of Atlas trying to hold the weight of the world on his shoulders. Have you seen this statue? Just muscles trembling, bulging 
crushing him under the weight. That's how we feel when we try to be God. And here's what we need to say. Are you ready for the simplicity? Stop it. Stop doing that. You see, the last time I checked, there was a no vacancy sign above the Trinity. God doesn't need our help. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit can do it themselves just fine. When you deny who you are and what you're facing, you face fear, frustration, fatigue. Here's the last one. You face failure. How many of us today feel like a failure? You see, when you allow your job description to be controlling your universe, you're guaranteed to fail. Because we don't have what it takes to do that. So listen to this list. Pretty sad in my opinion. Fear, frustration, fatigue, and failure. Now you say, Pastor, I I think I'm feeling all four of those in ways. And if that's you, here's the good news. You're in the right place. If that's you, you come to the right place. Because there's not a person in this room who has it all together. Uh, We may look like we do, right? Hiding behind a coat and a tie and a microphone. But the truth is we are all screw-ups. We all don't have it together. Jesus, folks, is the great physician who came to heal the sick. I know this. Physically, I've learned this. Spiritually, I know this. And our church and every Jesus church must constantly remind ourselves that we are not a showcase of shiny saints. No, we're a hospital for sick sinners. Somebody say amen. And so that's where we are. And once we realize our reason behind this, a sinful nature... And the result of that denial, it's then that we move to the third area to talk about today, and that's the road to refreshing. How many of you want to be on this road? You say, Pastor, I I want this. I need this. I need a reboot. I need a refresh. And let's talk about New Year's. I know we're a long way from that this morning, but what happens every New Year? People come up with New Year's what? Resolutions. Oh, we love those, right? And you know what the statistics tell us? That a New Year's resolution usually is dead in less than two weeks. Uh, so I want to I introduce you to something so much better than human resolution. You ready? It's heavenly refreshing. Now, human resolutions last about 12 to 13 days. Heavenly refreshing, it lasts for a lifetime and all eternity. Do you want a little bit of that? And that's what God is ready to offer us this morning. So Here's what I want to do. I want to go over for the very first time in this series our refresh memory verse. Yeah, you heard that right. We're going to have a memory verse in this sermon series. Let's look at our screen. Acts chapter 3, verse 19. All right, let's say it together. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Now, here's my challenge to you, all right? Everybody, I don't care young or old, We're going to learn this verse during this series. Now, you have eight weeks to lock it in, okay? But here's my challenge. Learn it this week. And next Sunday, if I were to get really crazy and not put it up there for you, I want to say, everybody ready? Acts chapter 3, verse 19. Let's read it again. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. So we're going to have a memory verse. Write it down for yourself. Acts chapter 3, verse 19. That's your assignment. And in addition to that memory verse, 
we're also going to have a step and a refreshing attitude. Now, our step today is realize I'm not God. And here's the subsequent attitude that we have to hold on to do, on to. Here it is. I am totally helpless. Turn to your neighbor right now and say that. I'm totally helpless. Now, do you believe that? I'm talking spiritually. I'm talking morally. And I'm talking ethically. That's hard for some of us to say, isn't it? It's hard to accept that, to feel that, to embrace that. I am totally helpless. People have asked me what I learned most in my COVID battle. And it's when I was struggling to sip air off the top of my lungs, believing that I may not make it, that I came to the point of realizing that I was totally helpless. I want to ask you spiritually, have you arrived at that point? And here's what you need to understand. You will never fully move toward recovery, and you'll never fully receive refreshing until you admit you're helpless. And when you come to that point, when you embrace that attitude, there are three things that you're going to admit in your heart and out loud. Here they are. First, you're going to admit, I can't change my past. There are some people here today, it eats you alive. Satan comes up on you from the backside, and he always wants to remind you of your past. But here's the truth this morning. God wants you to forget those things which are behind you and press on toward the goal that's in front of you. God has a future for you. You have to admit you can't change your past. The second thing, you have to confess, I can't control other people. You want to, right? You want to use all kinds of games and gimmicks, but it doesn't work. You have to say, I'm responsible for my actions, not the actions of anyone else. A third, you have to admit this, I can't cope with my pain alone. And this is hard for us because the American society, we love self-help strategies. You go to any bookstore and there are going to be dozens, strike that, hundreds of self-help books. But the truth is, when your life has crashed, you can't help yourself. And let me say this to you. God does not help those who help themselves. That's not in the Bible. Even though many people across the years have said that God helps those who help themselves. No, that's not true. God only helps those who confess their helpless. You see. So that's where we are today. Poor in spirit. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs will be the kingdom of God. Let's close it like this. You say, Pastor, I don't really know if I grasp this poor in spirit yet. And if you don't, I want to introduce you to a woman who is totally poor in spirit. Matthew chapter 15. One of the most intriguing stories in the life of Jesus is about a woman who came to beg Jesus to heal her sick daughter. Now, this woman is unnamed. We don't know her name. All we know is that she was not a Jew. 
She was a Canaanite. That was like being a Palestinian, right? She didn't belong. She wasn't in the in crowd. But here she is begging Jesus for help. Let's look at this painting. I just pulled a painting off the internet because I wanted you to see it. And this is her. You see her there on her knees before Jesus. And the interesting part of the story is Jesus kind of dismisses her by saying, I was sent to help the lost sheep of Israel. In other words, hey, I'm here for the Jews, right? And upon hearing that, she begs him all the more. She cries out, Lord, help me. And then Christ says something that just boggles my mind. If you've read this story, it's confused you as well. He said it wouldn't be right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Now, he uses the word for dog that means a little lap dog, a pet. But the implication is too obvious to miss. If if you heard me right, Jesus just called this woman a dog. Now, put yourself in her her sandals. How would you have reacted? He just called you a dog. What would you do? I can tell you probably what I would do. I probably would have reacted like a dog and growled back. How dare you call me a dog, right? Who do you think you are? But this woman didn't growl. She didn't even bark. She didn't didn't bite. She simply says, Lord, you're so right. But even the dogs, and this time she doesn't use the term for a little lap dog, a pet. She uses a term for a dog that meant a mangy stray. She says, even the dogs, even the yard dogs, even the mangy stray dogs, they get the crumbs that fall from the children's table. You see, she was, she was poor in spirit. She was confessing, Lord, you're right. I am a dog, and I don't deserve a single thing from you. But will you just toss me a crumb? Because even a crumb of your grace is enough for me. It's enough for my need. And when Jesus heard that humble spirit, what does he say? He says, woman, your faith is amazing. Your request has been granted. And in that moment, if you remember the story, it says her daughter is healed right then. You see, she admitted she was totally helpless. And she admitted she was totally hopeless without a crumb from Jesus. And she humbly fell to her knees. And she cried out for help. Today, I want you to hear this. Every ear and heart listening. That's the same kind of attitude that still gets heaven's attention today. So would you try it yourself? Yes, proud man, I'm, I'm talking to you. And yes, proud adult, I'm, I'm talking to you. And yes, defiant teenager, I'm, I'm talking to you. Would you try to humble yourself before God? You see, he's actually waiting for you to ask for help. Confess you're not God. Confess to him you're helpless.